Thank you everybody for uh, joining me today. I have a special guest, a good friend of mine. We go to the same church. His name is Esteban. How are you doing? I'm doing good, and you? I'm doing fantastic. And so, like everybody, hopefully you know by now, this is what's your story, and what we're gonna do today is just talk about your story and how you came to get where you are here today. But before we get to the today, let's go back, let's rewind a little bit, back to young Esteban. Where are you from? So I'm originally from San Luis, Colorado. Okay. It's kind of like a country type setting. So, um, was it close by? What's the city that's close to it? It's close to like the Great Sand Dunes. Uh, oh yeah. Mosa, mm -hmm. down that area. So we we kind of grew up on a um, ranch type setting. Okay. I had horses and wow stuff like that. So is that what you wanted when you were a kid? Did you want to do anything with horses? I, I I used to ride horses like almost on daily as as a kid. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean that that's I love horses. Mm -hmm. I don't look like it, <laughs> but I do. Do you play, um, do you have horses today? I don't have horses today, mm. but um, I just I love them. I, mm -hmm. If I ever get a chance, I mean, if I could ride one, I'm, I, I will. Yeah. Um, okay. And so growing up with horses in a small town. What were you as a kid? Or what was kind of, what was the environment out there? Uh, it was it was good out there. I mean, it was it was like surrounded by mountains. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, I had a motorcycle, ATV type mm -hmm. stuff. I used to just be in the mountains all day. Yeah, you know, just that was our backyard. Mm -hmm. um, but that was with my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So um, my mom lived out here in Colorado Springs. Okay. And um, I used to come out here with my mom and my dad, but then uh, my mom and dad would start messing up or start having some issues going on, so I'd have to go back hmm. down to the valley. Mm-hmm. And um, are you a single child? At at the time I was. Um, I got two younger sisters right now. Mm-hmm. Um, really young. Okay. Uh, I think my oldest is like 26. Wow. And my youngest is like 24 or 5. So really young. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, there's a big gap between us. Yeah. Did that affect you growing up? Cause were you always like more protective or? I was. Um, but then again, it was like, I, I around 10 years old, my, my mom and dad, my dad used to sell drugs. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was kind of complicated. Yeah. I, uh, I started dealing with that, so I'd, I'd get sent back down to my grandparents. And mm. um, I was very overprotective over my sisters. Yeah. Um, but then I got locked up at the age of 12. Oh, okay. Wow. Before we get to that, yeah. age of 12? Okay. Yeah. So. What was the transition from loving horses, playing with ATVs, mountains? What was like, what made you start kind of going in that direction? Well, every time I'd come back with my parents, mm -hmm. I was just, I would come into their environment. Okay. Into the things that they were doing. Mm -hmm. um, my dad used to sell a lot of marijuana mm. back in the early 80s, mm -hmm. and um, eventually he moved to selling cocaine, and he got addicted to it. Mm -hmm. Him and my mom both got addicted to it. Mm -hmm. So um, I was trying to be out here more because my sisters were out here with them, mm -hmm. and I wanted to look over them. Um, but then just the people that we had coming to the house and stuff mm -hmm. like that, I was being introduced into a whole another lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of family that was 
mm-hmm. uh, had gang ties and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. I just started following yeah. into that. So, what was your the first thing that you remember that was like kind of kickstarted your gang or selling weed? Yeah, I used to sell weed. Uh, my mom used to actually roll me joints <laughs> to take to school. Wow. So it was a family business. <laughs> yeah, so um, like my dad would bring back pounds and pounds of weed, and um, it was compressed in like two pound bricks. Mm-hmm. And we used to tear it apart, and whatever fell off, my mom would let me keep. And she would, she would help me, or, you know, like, I'll give you an ounce of vacuum the floor or something like that. So <laughs> it was, um, we just always, we always had it. And mm-hmm. then when my dad started, started selling the cocaine and started using it, mm-hmm. that's when everything just started kind of falling apart. Okay. For us. So I, you said at age 12 is when you was arrested. Mm-hmm. What were, walk us through that. I think, well, I remember like right before that happened, like um, when my mom and dad would use cocaine mm-hmm. they would either lock themselves in the bathroom or in the bedroom or something like that and mm-hmm. um, I remember like trying to get their attention and I think I left one night for like a whole night and didn't come back and I ended up getting drunk I think I drank like half a 40 ounce or something like that and I couldn't ride my bike so I ended up staying out of nowhere um, but I came back home I was scared I came back home like it nine o'clock in the morning and they were still high. So I, I snuck in the house and like they didn't even know I was gone. You know what I mean? So I think that kinda I don't know, I, I think I wanted to test the limits to see like, well, okay, mm-hmm. if I can get away with this, what else can I get away with? Mm-hmm. Um I got locked up. We were um we were walking down down the street one time I was with a couple of friends and Mm-hmm. Um, there were some other kids, and we got into an altercation with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys I was with stole a dollar or two dollars from this kid, um, and they arrested us all. They came back and got us all for like um, Armstrong robbery and something like that. So wow, okay. we're incarcerated. I was incarcerated for that. Then mm-hmm. I got caught with the gun. How old so, were you at this point? I was about 13 when I got caught with the gun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, I I got sent. I got locked. I got sent to uh, a couple placements. I think one was in Pueblo, one mm-hmm. was here in, in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Um, ended up getting sent to a group home. Um, I did good in a structured environment, mm-hmm. but as soon as I got back out, I fell yeah. apart. Yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't have no structure, I didn't have mm-hmm. any type of thing. So um, I ended up getting an ankle bracelet, and I think I was on it for like a week, and uh, cut it off came back out to the springs um and at that time the the gang involvement kind of got a little more serious uh just the people that i was hanging out with and things that we were doing um i was on the run for about at this time i think i was like 15 14 or 15. um just the the things that we were doing was kind of crazy and um i was with some of my friends one night and uh one of my friends had got robbed and uh some people came in and we we kind of found out on the streets you know who it was and what 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 happened so um we came across this guy one night and uh 
I had confronted him. And uh, he, I remember he was telling me, like, if you come around here saying that, I'm going to shoot you, I'm going to kill you. And my friend was behind me, and, and um, he just started shooting. And uh, all I remember was seeing sparks and hearing, like, the pops. <laughs> and I, I didn't know if I had gotten shot. <laughs> so I was, like, checking myself. And um, when I looked, the the guy that I was talking to was on the floor. And uh, I remember he had like a blue shirt and just started turning purple. Um, and I grabbed him, kind of like pulled him to the side and his, his he was he was breathing, he was trying to, he was talking a little bit. And um, my friend, I think he was in shock because he was still, I remember looking at him and he was, he was in the same position that he was, but he was still like pulling the trigger and he was just clicking. So he emptied the clip? He emptied, he emptied the clip on him. Um, I think the guy got shot. I don't. I don't remember how many times, but he got shot quite a few times. Maybe like four, something like that. Um, and next thing I know, we we take off running. Um, this happened like down on Academy, and uh, I want to say it was close to airport. Okay. Yeah. So um, me and one of my friends, we ran the other way. Um, my friend that, that did the shooting, he took off in the car. Um, after that, like, you know, it was on the news and everything like that. And at the time, I had tattoos on my face, and I cut them off. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know, I, we had went on the run, and um, I remember one day we, like, had a meeting. We met up, and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. And uh, we had all these guns and stuff like that. And my friend actually shot himself in the foot. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it was, a, I don't know what he was doing. I think me and my friend were arguing because I didn't want him to tell him I had a gun because he was like, what guns do we got? And, and uh, me and my friend were arguing in the back seat about the gun that I had. And he was like, give it to me. So I had to give it to him. When I gave it to him, he was asking us if it was loaded. And me and my friend were still arguing. And all of a sudden, we heard pop. And uh, he was like, I think I shot myself. <laughs> so he shot himself in the foot. And uh, he was on, you know, we were all on the run. So um, that night, I think we were going to try to head out to New Mexico. And we got all the way down to San Luis. Um, we came back. I don't know for what reason we came back. But when we came back, like, um, there was detectives posted up at all the houses we were trying to go to. So they dropped me and my friend off. and. I think we had like a Tech, Tech Nine or Tech Twenty Two. We had we had a mm -hmm. couple guns on us. We had like three guns, and they dropped us off. And me and my friend, like he he was shot, he was wounded. And like I'm only fourteen or fifteen at the time, and I had to carry him on my back. <laughs> so I remember we were on the west side of Colorado Springs, and we, we climbed up this big old hill, and I had to carry him. So I had guns hanging from my neck and. You know, um, but anyways, we we ended up we suffered that whole night. <laughs> it, it was rough. I just wanted I like I actually wanted to go uh, sleep in a because we were by some apartments. I was like, let's just go to the laundry room and sleep in there. <laughs> you know, it, it was yeah. that bad. Um, but we ended up. I remember if we stole the car or what we what we did, but we ended up getting to. Uh, a place where we could rest and just kind of kick back for a minute. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ended up going down to Alamosa. 
Um, and while we were down there, it was just like a constant party. We were like, he was on the run, I was on the run. So we were just partying every night. Hmm. And then one day, uh, he was on Crime Stoppers and stuff like that. So Were you scared? No, I mean, it wasn't. I think I was scared. I was just going with the flow. Yeah. I wasn't. Um, I think we were partying and drinking so much that it didn't, it didn't affect us. Yeah. And then one day we, uh, I think somebody had seen the Crime Stoppers um, clipping and they, uh, the detectives came to the house in the morning and uh, they came and they knocked and they ended up coming in and um, they they found us. Um, but the thing was at the time they didn't they didn't um they weren't looking for me. <laughs> they were looking for my friend. Oh. So when they came in they, they wanted him and I was on the run and I th I think I don't know if I gave him a fake name or what, but they arrested him and they, they left and um I took off. Yeah. And uh ended up going to I don't know how I got to New Mexico but I was there for a while. And then some stuff happened over there, so my dad had to come pick me up. Mm -hmm. um, and my grandfather actually had me arrested. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he was just, you know, and I, I remember at the time I was mad, I was upset. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he would have me arrested because mm -hmm. I, I went home and I, I, I fell asleep. And then that morning, like, I was getting, when I woke up, the cops had my arms. And they were putting handcuffs on me. Wow. So I, I was I was upset with my grandfather for that, mm -hmm. you know. But then he came to visit me, and he was like, "I know where you're at now. I don't have to worry about getting a phone call at two o'clock in the morning saying you're dead or, you know, something happened." He was like, "You just need to get this over with and, you know, finish your time." Um, so from there, I I ended up getting sent to Glen Mills in Philadelphia. Um, It was, they I, they had kids from everywhere, from California all the way from Jamaica, from, um, yeah, there, there was just so many kids there. And it, it was just like a huge college campus, but um, it was like a, a lockup facility at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, there it was, it was crazy because um, back then, like, the staff used to beat us, you know, like, um, and, and and we're three thousand miles away from home. Yeah, you know, so it's like you you can't. What are you gonna do? <laughs> you know, you're in the <laughs> middle. You're in the middle of uh, nowhere because where we were at was in Concordville, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and everybody that lived in that area worked at Glen Mills. Okay. So and then it was right next to a prison. So like I wouldn't even know which way to run or you know, and it was surrounded by like trees and just so it was crazy. But while I was there, I mean I uh, they were real big on sports and stuff like that. So um, it, it was kind of good, you know what I mean? I I liked it, enjoyed it. I guess <laughs> I had no choice. Um, I ended up getting a scholarship there to go to college. Um, so when I got out, I paroled to Denver when I was about seventeen, and. Uh, I was living with some of my family out there, and um, everything was going kind of good, I guess. But I, I just kept getting called back to mm -hmm. to down here to Colorado Springs. And at that time, um, one of my friends that was from my 
gang had just got murdered and he happened to be 13 years old. So he um, he was he was in a car that was involved in an altercation prior to, to him being in the car. And um, he was driving around, somebody started, like three carloads of people started following him. And um, they shot at the car, I think maybe 60, 70 times. Um, he was 13 years old, he, he dug down in the car and, and he, he got struck by a bullet in the head. And um, he died, so at that time, there was like a big gang war type thing going on. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I remember I was trying to, I was just trying to be in it. And uh, I kept coming back and forth from Denver to Colorado Springs. And then um, while I was in Denver, my cousins out there, they were involved in, you know, um, they had their own little neighborhood uh, wars going on. And uh, one day we'd pulled up to a stoplight and um, these guys tried to jump us. And there was, there was altercation, we started fighting. Um, after the fight broke out, we, we went to my cousin's house and these guys came back and they uh, came back with guns and they started shooting. Um, I got I hit with pallets in the back of my head and my neck uh, from a shotgun blast. And then um, my parole officer was like, well, we need to get you out of here for a minute. And that's when I came back down to Colorado Springs. Um, in that time that I was down here, I just, I got back into what I knew. I was, I was, uh, you know, it was crazy. Like I, I grew up kind of hating my father after everything I've been through. Mm -hmm. And I ended up turning out just like him and wow. the things that I was doing. Yeah. Um, I was selling drugs. I was doing everything that he was doing. You started doing Um I started doing. So it, it was, it was crazy. Uh, I didn't realize it yeah. at the time, but um, I ended up, uh, we were at a party again one night, an altercation that broke out, two people got hurt. Hmm. And um, next thing I know, uh, my friends that I was with, they got arrested. Hmm. I ended up getting arrested. We all um, took a charge of two counts of attempted murder. Um, this time you're 17, so you're this not. Time, well, I just turned 18. Oh, so wow, yeah. So I got out when I was 17, mm -hmm. and I just turned 18, so now, um, that's an adult. And now it's an adult. And uh, my juvenile record didn't help. So um, as we were going to court, you know, um, me and the kid too, they come saying, oh, you're facing this and this much time. So they, they came with the plea and they're like, well, we'll give you uh, seven years if you take this plea. Because if not, and you go to trial, you're gonna get 60, you know, 64 years. So I'm like, okay, I'll take the seven. <laughs> so um, at 18, I was, I ended up bonding out. But then as, as I bonded out, like, was back home, uh, bonded out of jail during uh, for the charges I was in. So I was going to court, Yeah. but you have the option to pay a, a amount of money okay. to get out and <clears throat> still go to court. Oh, okay. So I had bonded out and in the back of my mind was like, I'm going to prison anyway. Mm -hmm. So I just started going crazy. <laughs> um, I ended up getting in high school. I got into a fight at, at the Citadel Mall mm -hmm. and um, cops were called. I got in a high speed chase. Um, I ended up wrecking into a house, taking out a back fence, 
I went through the house, like, came to the backyard, hit the fence. Um, I got stopped by, uh, well, actually a cop car hit me, mm -hmm. I head on, and another cop hit me from the side, and then, yeah, that was it. Um, Wait, let me ask you, what is your mindset like? Because it's, like, do you want to die, or what? what is pushing you to do all these things? To be honest, I, I don't know, I, I didn't. I wasn't trying to get caught. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, yeah. but I ended up getting caught. Mm -hmm. um, so I got charged with the uh, felony vehicular looting, um, damage to, to property, um, like 30 or 40 traffic violations. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, and they get, they went to the like smallest details, switching lanes without a blinker, mm -hmm. just, Everything. So I, I had a, I had a stack of charges. Um, I bonded out on that one too. I was still going to trial. Uh, I mean, to court. And um, finally, it's you know, uh, I got put in a situation I couldn't bond out no more. And yeah. I, I I took the plea and and I was on my way to prison. Seven years. Mm -hmm. So all the crazy stuff you did, they didn't add to it. They just gave you the seven. No, yeah, they they kind of dropped the they dropped. See, uh, they they I had a plea to one of the higher charges, mm -hmm. so I pled to like a first degree assault, mm -hmm. and then they dropped all the other charges. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, it worked out. It sounded good at the time. <laughs> um, so I I'm, you know, I'm in the county for a while, mm -hmm. and then. Um, I get shipped out to Denver to DRDC. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in there for like uh, I think a month, and that that was like my first experience of being 23 hour lockdown for for days. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that mm -hmm. that was horrible. What was? Because obviously you don't do that now. Well, when did the change begin from that to where you are today? Oh, uh, it did it. Went on for a couple more years. Really? Um, yeah, because I, I I went. So I got out when I was. Uh, I, got, I think I got out. Six at this time. Was seven years. I was eighteen at the time. So mm -hmm. um, I I got paroled when I was twenty four. Okay. And uh, I was out for three months. Um, right when I got back out, I jumped right back into the game. Mm -hmm. um, this time I was selling more quantity. Um, we were going through about 10 pounds of meth oh, every two weeks. But you're not using it, you're just selling it. Not using it, just selling it. Um, and with that, it just, it's just like a full-time job. That's a, that's a lot of money for a 24-year-old, yeah. so yeah. And, and plus, I was fresh out of prison, so mm -hmm. I mean, I was, you know, uh, got a house right away. I was, I was doing all these things right away, and, and mm -hmm. but then at the same time, there was a lot of people that were hating on me, because, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know they've been out here for a while, and I'm just getting out of prison and and showing up like this. So um, mm -hmm. I had a I my parole officer was getting phone calls from people saying that I was doing this and doing that. So they came and raided my house. Um, I wasn't there when they came, but uh, I had a couple friends there, and um, they didn't find nothing at my house. They didn't, mm -hmm. you know, they 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 searched through everything. They went through everything, but they're like. We need to see you, and I was like, "Well, I'm not going in. Um, you know, you could catch me. Yeah. I'm not gonna turn myself in." Yeah. But I knew, you know, I knew what it was, so I, I got rid of everything that I had, had and um, 
I was the guys I was working with. I had one guy that was supposed to. I was I was preparing to go back to prison, so I was gonna give him all my clientele and tell him you know what who owed me what and stuff like that. And at the time, um, I thought he was a solid dude, and uh, it was crazy because I I, uh, I didn't have anything on me. And I was I was with my with my wife and um, they ended up raiding her house and we had just sent that guy out to California to go pick up another shipment and um, so I was in the county jail and they they went through my process quick you know uh, and they were like well we know that you were doing this and we we had calls that you were doing that and uh, dealing with weapons and 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 drugs and this and that but they couldn't they didn't find nothing so they couldn't prove nothing and. Um, I ended up getting sent back for the remainder of my time, which was two years. So um, I got sent back for that, and uh, my wife at the time, she was like, I can't do this. I'm not going to do this if you get out and you go back to this and it ain't going to work. So I was, I, I really wanted to try something different. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, okay, we're going to do this, I'm going to do this. It sounded good in my mind. and. Um, you know, I used to write her all the time and tell her like, "Oh, it's gonna be so different." And then I get out, and it it wasn't it wasn't as easy as I thought. Um, it was hard because I had to get a job. And, yeah, nobody's gonna give you a job. Yeah, yeah. So I had to get a job, and 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 I come out, and I get a job that's um, everybody that I know from prison is getting out and getting the same job. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody on my crew had some type of addiction. Um, we had a heroin addict, cocaine addict, uh, alcoholic, uh, weed smokers. We had, we had everything. I don't even know how we got work done, to be honest. You know what I mean? Um, and it was there, you know, I, I was working and I was coming home making like five, 500 a week. And it was... Yeah, from... 10 pounds yeah. of meth every two weeks. Yeah, so like, um, it was hard because it was like, what am I supposed to do? And then like, I give it to my wife and it was gone. You know, like, bills, now I gotta deal with bills. Yeah. So it, it, it was hard, it was, it was um, I think I got depressed. I would too. You know what I mean, I got depressed. And um, I, I didn't really, I never really got addicted to hard drugs because of what I seen with my parents. Mm -hmm. But when it came to alcohol, I was like, oh yeah, this feels good, you know, I could do this. Mm -hmm. And um, my wife had started, she got pregnant like right away, so um, she she kind of started tripping on me coming home from, from work and drinking and stuff. So um, one day I remember we were coming home and my friend that I was, I used to give him rides, he's like, let's go get a 12 pack. I was like, no, nah, bro, I can't, my lady's tripping. He's like, go oh, down chair, bro, watch, we'll go get some vodka. And so we got some vodka and, and and some grapefruit juice and we drank and I went home. My wife was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, nothing. I was, you know, buzzed and feeling good, I guess. And mm -hmm. she was like, something's wrong with you. And she was like, let me smell your breath. And she, she went to smell my breath and she couldn't smell nothing. So I was like, this works. <laughs> <laughs> so I started doing it more. Like and cheat code. Uh, yeah, and next thing I know, like, it, it got control of me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started drinking mm -hmm. on a daily basis, and mm -hmm. it wasn't just, you know, a drink to, 
to get buzz or anything. Like, it wasn't occasional drinking. It was drinking to get drunk. Mm-hmm. And um, I think things just started falling apart. You know, mm-hmm. started losing my job, mm-hmm. just stuff like this. And, and um, the guy, the guy that actually, well, this is what also kind of helped me change my ways from from that. But he had he had gone to California, and on the way back. He got pulled over in Arizona, and he had um, he used to always carry a jar of weed with him. And uh, he got pulled over in Arizona. They smelled the weed in in the car, so they asked if they could search it. And he just kind of was like, this, "The eight pounds in the back isn't mine." Uh, he got caught with like eight pounds of meth and about forty-five thousand cash. Um, so he ended up wearing a wire and finished the delivery. And uh, I happened to be in the county jail. at the I had actually got back to prison. Um, they had sent me that quick. Mm-hmm. And because um, the way I got the news, I was I was in my cell and uh, somebody came to my door and knocked on it and they're like, hey bro, um, Mickey got caught and, and he told on everybody. I was like, yeah, right, dude. <laughs> You're tripping. So I get out, call my wife and I was like, have you heard from him? She's like, no. Um, and I called uh, my friend's mom, and um, she said, yeah, he got caught. And so... Um, when he wore the wire, did, he, did y'all meet up and say, did he say to you? I didn't, I didn't meet up. I was, I just, oh, so I got raided. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was in the county mm-hmm. when he went out there. Um, and within, I think it was like five days, because usually it took him like three days to go to California and come back. Mm-hmm. And um, I was already, I... They they like processed me quick. Um, they violated my parole. They sent me back to prison. Um, I think on the fifth day, you know, I was I was back in prison, and that's when I found out that he had hmm. uh, finished the delivery and and he took it to my other friend, and um, my friend, uh, you know, he had him on wire, uh, he had him on tape, saying everything, um, talking about the, the transactions, the you know the trip, everything. Um, so my friend got busted and, and he ended up getting 18 years in the federal prison for that. Mm. So that kind of like opened my eyes too. Yeah. Like, even the people that were supposed to be solid ain't solid. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, I was... You got your friend getting busted and then the alcohol and you seeing it mess up your life. What was the, because uh, that, was that the bottom of the bottom that made you see for something else, or was that another? Uh, the bottom of my bottom, I think, was when my grandfather passed. I was already drinking, mm-hmm. but when he passed, it was like, um, I think the guilt, the, you know, like I should have been there with him, but instead I, I, I was here, locked up. Um, so. I went into like even a, a deeper depression and I started drinking worse and I was um, starting to speak death on myself, saying, you know, I'm, I just want to die, I don't want to be here. Um, and the drinking progressed. And, uh, you know, I used to start fights with my wife so I could leave or, you know, just, just whatever I can so that I could be drinking. Um, one day I, I had, we were, me and her were arguing and I, I tried to get my son. And my son like pulled away from me, and um, they reminded me of me when I was little, and uh, the way I felt. So I, I left. I 
you know, I, I seen the damage I was doing, and um, it was easier for me to leave. And uh, when I left, I, I just focused on all the bad <laughs> and started to drink more. And um, that was towards, you know, that was in 2008, and, and I think I, for about three months, I was drinking about a gallon of vodka a day. How many kids do you have at this point? Just, uh, just one? Three. <laughs> three? Wow. Yeah. A boy and how many girls? I have two boys and one girl. Wow. Okay. And so, um, I, uh, I was just suffocating my own sorrow, I guess, mm -hmm. and, um, drinking like a fish. I mean, I would wake up drunk, go to bed drunk, and, you know, it got to a point where I wasn't eating no more. Um, and then I called my sister one day, and I was like, hey, you need to take me to the hospital. Um, something's wrong with me. Like, my side kept hurting. And, and um, You know, I, I've burned every bridge in my family, so when I called my sister, she was like, yeah, right, you, just, you know, this isn't a, 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 an excuse to get liquor or something. And I was like, no, like, you really need to take me to the hospital. Something's wrong. So she picked me up, but, I mean, I really did run out of alcohol, too. So I was like, but you need to buy me a bottle because if not, you know, I might have a seizure or something like that. Um, so she ended up buying me a bottle, maybe two, and I slammed her right before I got, you know, um, to the hospital. Um, when I went in, you know, they they had a, they gave me a breathalyzer, and I think I blew a point six seven, um, and I was coherent. And they were like, I don't understand how you're talking or how you're, you know functioning right now because you should be dead or in a coma and um that's just how much mm. alcohol I was consuming um so I went in and I, I don't remember for like a week it was it was a blur because I was in and out of it I had pneumonia um and my sister she ended up calling my wife and she's like you need to come see him and at the time my wife was mad and she was like no he, he did this to himself he brought this on himself like he could deal with this my sister was like, you should bring the kids at least to see them because it's kind of bad. So she she did. Um, it's funny because like I, when I tell her, it's like, you know, she seen me, she, she fell in love with me again. <laughs> um, because she was like, want to come back home? And I was like, yeah, I'll come back home. I'm, yeah, I want to. She's like, but you got to be done. At the time, I was done. I was tired of it. Um, it was just ruining my life. I came home for about a week or two and it was good. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't, you know, doing anything. But then um, I uh, ended up sleeping for like three days straight. And I didn't realize that, like, I didn't use the bathroom in that whole three days. When I woke up, my eyes were yellow. And my wife was like, we need to go, you know, we should take you to the hospital. Something's wrong. You know, I was like, no, nah, I don't need to go. And she was persistent. So I was like, okay, I'll go. <laughs> and, um, when I got to the hospital, they were like, um, they seen, the nurse seen me, and she was like, oh my gosh, you're in liver failure. I was like, what? Um, so they started doing some tests, and then they came back, and they were like, um, well, first they pulled my wife out, and they are like, is this your husband? She's like, yes. They said, well, he's not leaving this hospital life. He's dying. Um, he has the highest liver score we've ever seen. Um, we give him three months tops. 
with a 5% chance. So then, you know, how he, I get hit with that news and it's like, how do you take it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, at the time, I was still being prideful. I didn't want to um, break down in front of my family. <laughs> so I, I kept telling my wife, like, just go home, you know, let, let me be. Um, and when she went, she, she ended up going home. She didn't want to leave, but she ended up going home because the kids were, you know, tired and everything. She stayed till about two in the morning or something. And that, that's when my mind just started going crazy. Um, you know, how do you take that news? And, yeah. Um, how old were you at this point? I was 28. Wow, okay. So I was 28 years old and I was just like, man, where did my life go? I spent half of my life locked up. Like, you know, I don't got nothing to show for it. I don't, um, don't have nothing. Mm -hmm. um, my kids, what am I leaving my kids with? You know, just so all all this stuff started happening, and then um, they had moved me um, into ICU, and uh, that night the, there was a guy that was next to me, and um, about two o'clock in the morning or three o'clock in the morning, he he started moaning and just screaming and, and going, you know, through some through some things and um I remember like hearing a code on on the intercom and then doctors just a bunch of doctors running. It sounded it sounded like a stampede. Um my cart my curtain started moving real crazy. Um I don't remember exactly how long it was that they worked on him. But it was it was I don't know, it seemed like, like maybe 10 minutes or, or less or more. I don't remember. Um, but all of a sudden it got quiet. And uh, it was a scary quiet, you know. Um, a lot of the doctors started walking out, and um, the nurse came over, and she was like, do you know what just happened? And I was like, what, he died? She was like, yeah. And she's like, that's gonna happen to you next. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, you're so far gone that we can't save you. There's no point in saving you. And she's like, it's best if you let us put a DNR band on you. And you know, <laughs> at the time, I didn't know what a DNR band. I was like, what is that? And she's like, do not resuscitate. And I was like, you're tripping. I'm not putting that on. <laughs> and um, she stayed there for about 15 minutes, convincing me why it would be best and she kept telling me like you're too far gone there's no hope um if they she was like did you see what they just did to that guy or did you hear what they did and i was like yeah and she's like well um that could disfigure you and she started using my kids she's like do you got kids i said yeah she goes you don't want your kids to see you disfigured do you she's like we could break your ribs and like mess you up and you don't want to be messed up do you and, she kept bringing that up, so after a while, I was like, okay, go ahead, put it on. So at that time, like, she put the band on and she left. And here, my whole world is just falling apart. And I'm like, man, um, trying to go through my head, like, what, why is this happening? Why, why did this happen? And then I started, you know, God, where are you at? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like I know I'm a, I'm a good person, but why is all this happening to me? 
why would you let this happen to me? And then it was like weird because I heard this voice and it said, I didn't do this to you. Your sin did this to you. And um, there was nobody in the room. But I heard I heard it like clear as day and just it was, and um, I just remember like crying and I didn't know how to pray it and you know what I mean? Like I used to, I used to tease people in prison for going to church. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I was like, God, if you real, I just, I need you. I need help. I didn't, that, that was like my first mm. prayer. Yeah. Um, my wife came in the next morning and I was like, look, cause you know, during that whole time that I was out, it was like, we didn't have a good marriage. You know, was, you know we, we did things, we hurt each other. We, um, we were just, it was crazy. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a marriage. Um, and I was like, we, we need to forgive each other for everything. You know, start, let's start brand new and let's both accept Jesus Christ. And um, I remember her mom was, was a Christian. And uh, I, I would go to the house, I would be drunk, and she like walked by me and I'd act like I was passed out. <laughs> And she would start praying in tongues over me, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this lady. And I'd just act like I was sleeping, and then like she would be done, and I would run out. Um, but, you know, she kept, she used to always like pray over us, and just, you know, my grandma too was always praying. And um, me and my wife, we both like let go, we forgave each other, and we accepted Christ. And then um, that was it, okay. uh, that was the beginning. Yeah. How did you go from there to starting the ministry that you have? Well, <laughs> um, I was in the hospital for nine months. I died once. Mm. Um, my heart stopped in February on February fifteenth. Um, going through it, I went through as, as a juvenile, like um, being in placements and having counselors and. And all that, I, um, I was never honest with any of them. I told them what they wanted to hear, um, and that was it. They were satisfied with that. You know, they didn't dig deeper. They didn't, they didn't try to, you know, really get to the bottom of it. They didn't, you know, they didn't see the signs of the things that I was dealing with. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of made me like want to work with kids when I when I was older. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because I, I remember counselors used to tell me, oh, I know what you're going through. Uh, I, I used to do stuff too, but I just never got caught. And like, I'm in the back of my head, like, you never seen your dad OD. You never seen, you know what I mean, the things that I've seen. And, um, so I was, I was, I just knew that like, there, there's more to it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I that, that was in my heart as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, but I was never living right. Um, I was in the hospital for nine months, and I feel like that nine months was a rebirth. Um, we got closer to God, me and my wife. She was like my pastor in there. <laughs> um, we used to, uh, she used to call pastors to come and pray. And um, I remember one time that nobody could come, and uh, she was forced to pray over me. You know, but we, I, I see my wife like, before when the doctors would come in, my wife would run out and she would hide in the bathroom and 
and wait until the doctors left and just come back, be like what they say, be like that I'm dying. You know, and, and uh, after a while, like as we started building our, our relationship with Christ and getting to know him more, being more intimate with him, um, she wouldn't run out no more, she would stay. And uh, when the doctors would speak the negative reports, we started to denounce them and um, not not accept them. And um, on February 15th, when my heart stopped, um, I remember not being able to breathe. Started to panic. I was like awake. I was I was coherent. I, I was seeing what was going on, but I was gone. Like you know what I mean? Um, couldn't move. Couldn't do nothing. Um, and then all of a sudden the lights went out. Immediately, this bright light just came over me, and there's so many ways to try to explain. Like, like I want to explain it in so many different ways, but the best way to say it is, I felt free. Mm. Um, all my life, I've been in bondage. I've been in pain. I've been in hurt. I've held on to so much um, unforgiveness and bitterness. It, it was just, <laughs> it was so much. And when I was in that that experience right there, I was I didn't feel any of it. I felt peace, happiness, joy, love. Um, and this voice started speaking to me, and, and he introduced himself. He said, "I'm the Alpha and the Omega." Mm. <laughs> and uh, we we had a conversation, and he was talking to me about forgiveness. Tell me, I need to let go, and I was like, I can't, you know. And I think I had. I remember when I was 18, I got to prison, I, I was sitting in my cell and I was like, man, this is my mom and dad's fault that I'm in here. And I, I never took accountability for my own actions. Mm -hmm. I always blamed somebody else. So uh, I, um, he, he was like, just let it go, give it to me. I'll take it from you. I was like, you can't, you know, I, I'm, I can't let it go. And he's like, if I could forgive you for everything that you've done, how can can't let go of something so petty. And I broke. Hmm. And I was like, I don't want it no more. I was crying. I was like, take it, please take it. I just, I want something different. You know, I just, I'm This is done. all in that light. This is in that light. Mm -hmm. And um, he was like, go back and be with your family. And let you, he goes, let my people know I'm coming soon. My eyes opened. And um, I was in a, they, they, so they had resuscitated me and brought me back, put me on life support. And they told my wife that um, it was a high chance that I could be brain dead. Um, they were going to give me 10 days to be on the machine, and then she was going to have to make a decision. Um, I came out of it in three days. Um, I, I still had the tubes in my mouth, and, and I was like trying to tell my, like, my wife like, what, what, I, what I just experienced. And, um, you know, the doctors were doing tests, they were tickling my feet. And I remember they were asking me, like, do you know who the president is? And I actually didn't know who it was. I didn't follow, like, you know, anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know, dude, but Jesus loves you. <laughs> and um, they are like, okay, this dude's tripping. Mm -hmm. So um, they, they took me off, but it, like, as soon as they took the tubes out of my mouth, or, like, out of my throat and all that, um, and they did, my wife was like, how long was I dead for? She was like, what? And I told her what I had just experienced, and I, I was like, call my mom. I called my mom, and first time in 28 years that I called my mom and said, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I love you, and I forgive you. And I felt, I just felt the weight be lifted off me. 
I called my dad, and I did the same thing with him. And it just felt so good. I was like, who else can I call? You know what I mean? Call everybody. Call my enemies or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I was just, like the presence of God in my life at that time was mm-hmm. like, I was just with him, it felt like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hungry. So I ordered a pizza, right? <laughs> First time I ever witnessed to anybody, this dude, I don't know, I hope he didn't lose his job, but he stayed in there with us for about an hour. I was just telling him about God and what mm-hmm. I had just experienced. And he gave his life to God that night. Amen. And um, like, I, I just, you know, the doctors kept coming in day after day saying, I don't know how you're still alive. Like you're, you're gonna die. And I kept mm-hmm. telling him, like I'm, I'm living. Like Jesus told me, I'm healed. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we think Jesus has a different plan for you. Um, my body broke down. I mean, that disease, uh, cirrhosis, whatever it was, like, it's, it's horrible. The way it deteriorates your body. Mm-hmm. I, I was 97 pounds. Um, I looked like a dead man walking. Mm-hmm. Um, just the colors, I was blue, black, purple, every, every, like everything. Um, I, uh, it was like in July, I had to go for a checkup because they, they would send me home and I had to come back because I got sick. So they, they didn't let me go home. And um, while, they, while I was there in the hospital, I'd go in front of a board of doctors and tell them why I deserve a liver. And, uh, could I tell them, you know, I, I know how to make a, a picture frame out of uh, Dorito bags, you know what I mean? Like, I could make a cross out of a stocking. Or, right. Just, you know, what do I, what do I go in there and tell them? But mm-hmm. uh, I just prayed about it. And um, I went in and I was like, look, I don't have anything from my past that I could tell you that they would make you think mm-hmm. anything better of me, but I've given my life to God and I want to use you know, um, I want to have a second chance so that I could um, mm-hmm. be there for my kids, and mm-hmm. and I want to use this to help other people. Yeah. And um, they're like, okay, Mr. Medina, we'll we'll see you. You know, we'll, we'll let you know our decision. So, went back. You know, I just I had peace about it. Mm-hmm. Um, three days later, I, I you know we got uh, a letter. While I was in the hospital, and it was it was from the, the board and. They're like, congratulations, you've been accepted on the transplant list. So that was just, I had been accepted to be placed on the transplant list mm-hmm. in Colorado. Um, doctors came in, you know, we're, we're praising God, they're having a little Holy Ghost party in the, in the room. And um, doctors come in and they're like, don't get your hopes up. You're probably going to die waiting for it. You know, most people are on the list for five years. Yeah. So again, we you know we rebuked it. We didn't we didn't receive it. Mm-hmm. And um, three days from that period, from that day, they called me and said we got a, we got a perfect match. Get ready, we're, you know we're taking you into prep. And um, I went through a 15-hour surgery. Uh, got a liver transplant. I was supposed to get a liver and a kidney, mm-hmm. um, but they just gave me the liver. And um, That was that was that was my second chance. Yeah. Um, wow. I, um, I it took me about six months to heal, mm-hmm. and uh, as soon as I was able to heal, like um, this is the area that I grew up in, mm-hmm. in the southeast side of Colorado Springs. So I um, started going to some of the schools, like middle schools, mm-hmm. saying I want to talk to your kids. And at first they thought I wanted to recruit kids for a gang. Yeah. 
But um, one of the principals was a Christian, and, and he was like, well, what's your story? What, what are you trying to do? Mm -hmm. So I sat there and talked to him, and he, he kind of helped me mm -hmm. put some things together. And um, it turned out uh, he let me speak at the end of the school year. Mm -hmm. And um, I had like 30 kids sign up. I had no idea what I was going to do with them. Sign up for what? Just to, to meet with me. You okay. know, and to do something during the summer. Mm -hmm. um, it was crazy how God lined things up because, like, I went to go buy a shirt one day, <laughs> and I pulled up to the store, and there, there happened to be a church mm -hmm. in the storefront area. I walked in, and uh, it was Pastor Bill, and I walked in. I kind of just told him my heart, and he was like, hold up. Went in his office, came back out, and gave me a key to his office. Like, this is weird because this is a white guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm... Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm looking the way I'm looking. You <laughs> know, come to find out, like years later, we, we were talking. He's like, "Man, I honestly thought you were gonna come here and rob me." <laughs> you know, but so um, give you the keys like out yeah. of mercy. Don't do but it. But after he heard my story and mm -hmm. you know my heart, he was like, "You could use my building," and it all just lined up. And so now I had a place to bring these kids. And mm -hmm. We were just meeting with them and, and kind of sharing the gospel with them. Yeah. And um, who's we at this point? Me and my wife. Okay. And uh, it just it picked up. Kids kept coming, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it started to grow from there. And then um, my daughter actually came up with the name Second Chance through faith. Mm -hmm. And um, gosh, that was 11 years ago. And wow, it just, it, that's it, crazy. It grew. So, wow, 11 years in doing this, what is the one thing that I mean, because you have like a very dramatic story. Yeah. That if somebody's watching this and they're listening and they're either in the same place as you are, or they're not necessarily in the gang culture, but they're looking, because we we're all looking for something. Like, what? Mm -hmm. Why are we here and whatnot? What kind of message would you share for them, to them? Um, like one thing right now that I share with my kids is, if you guys find God now mm -hmm. in your life, like, it's gonna save you from so much pain yeah and hurt mm -hmm. um and if you are in, in a situation where you are mm -hmm. in that low of your life and, mm -hmm. and you're and you're hurting mm -hmm. and, it, and it feels like there's no out like mm -hmm. there is yeah there is hope mm -hmm. no matter how bad the situation is mm -hmm. um there's hope through okay. jesus christ yeah actually even before i forget because you've been doing this for 11 years, and I think it was two weeks ago, you had some kids get baptized at our church. Our church. We go to the same yeah. church. Uh, what is, I guess, tell us a success story from a kid that you met and it was bad, and then you saw how, what the Lord did in their life. Um, gosh, there's, there's so many. Uh, I think... One of them right now, I, I had a kid when he was like 15 or 16 years old. Mm -hmm. um, he went through everything, kind of same thing. Mm -hmm. um, we ended up marrying him and his wife. Mm. Um, we're the godparents to his son. Mm -hmm. um, he's 26 now, and he comes back, and he's helping me mm. um, share that. That's like one of them. Yeah. Um, we have... Uh, other kids that have graduated. We have um, my nephews, you know, they never got in trouble, but mm -hmm. my nephew works in, in the juvenile field now. Mm -hmm. um, I think 
watching these kids be able to be kids and yeah. and drop the gang style, the gang lifestyle, mm-hmm. and um, get close to God. I mean, mm-hmm. success story was we had fifteen, like fifteen to twenty kids that day mm-hmm. that got baptized. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. You should have been there. It was very. Yeah. It was. I was recording all that. It was beautiful. <laughs> so, because. He has an amazing, because I, I know him from church, but I never walked in, in his ministry or anything. So I walk in the building, and this is, a, this is an amazing building that you got here. How, tell the people how the Lord provided all this, because this is, this is beautiful. You know, um, I don't know, because I, I remember when I started this, when we started it, I wanted it to be self-sustained like i wanted Mm -hmm. the ministry to take care of itself Mm -hmm. and um god provided it yeah um just in every single way Mm -hmm. uh there was people that like when the courts found out about me i think Mm -hmm. the judicial system Mm -hmm. when they found out about me they they were concerned because of my past yeah my background so they actually like try to shut us down Mm -hmm. and it backfired and now like we um, we got contracts with them. So they actually refer kids to us. Wow. And, um, you know, we, we um, it's just amazing how God has opened doors. Yeah, it's and beautiful. And the name of the ministry is Second Chance. Second Chance Faith. Through Faith. Second Chance Through Faith. There we yeah. go. Okay, wow. And tell us the goal, because obviously we can kind of see, but what what is your future plans for this ministry? Because it's a an amazing ministry. Um, so we've been reaching out to the kids, um, and, and we want to find them because I know through the things that I was exposed to, mm-hmm. there's people that can't even imagine a kid being exposed to those things. Yeah. And these kids are exposed to things at mm-hmm. eight years old, nine years old. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we want to come alongside them and show them that you don't have to keep chasing that path. And mm-hmm. You could. Find Christ and and, yeah. and live a different life, change your life. And mm-hmm. um, like I think right now we got we got a kid that his his dad's been coming, mm-hmm. and there's been a change in that whole family. Mm-hmm. But the kid is like on fire for God. He was one of wow. the ones that got baptized. Yeah, and um, it's just amazing to see. Like mm-hmm. um, so now we're not only reaching out to the kids, but we're going after the families too. Yeah, and. Um, I don't know. That's amazing. <laughs> it's just wherever God, you know, yeah. leads us, we're gonna, we're gonna be obedient and yeah. go to that call. You get the family, the, the kids of a good place for them mm-hmm. to grow. Well, wow, I love. Yeah. That's amazing, and I'm thank you by the way for <laughs> sitting down. He's a busy man, as you can imagine. So we're very, <laughs> I'm very happy that you chose to give us this time. And once oh, yeah. again, very grateful. So. If you're watching this interview, remember, we all have a story. What's your story? Goodbye. Thank you for joining my show and listening to the interview that I just had. Come again next time when we have another amazing interview. And in the meantime, subscribe and follow me on social media so that you can keep in contact with me and see what I'm doing throughout the weeks that are coming up. Thank you.